Welcome to Famous When I'm Dead, where creatives share with you tools so you can thrive while you're still alive. I'm your host, Sam King Davis, and today we have a very special guest from Munster, Germany, yeah? Yeah, I, hi. I'm, I'm pronouncing <laughs> that wrong, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're pronouncing it almost right. <laughs> Munster. Uh, so uh, we have today Stefan Halbauer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to to uh, pronounce my my name and my my hometown <laughs> at once. <laughs> Let me try again. Stefan Grosser Haubauer. Yeah, yeah, that was almost right. <laughs> Munster. <laughs> I'm gonna stop there. So, do you wanna uh, do you wanna? Oh, I should say, AKA Plastic Pin. Robot pencil? Oh no, I, I think I don't know that one. Uh, his name is Anthony Jones. He's he's a, also another amazing artist like yourself. So, but you're you're plastic pen, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> check out robot pen because uh, probably we're kind of name name brothers and. <laughs> yeah, he's robot pencil. You're you're plastic pen. Great. Yeah, sure. Plastic pen is okay. I don't use plastic pen um, as. Like like a calling name or or people don't really call me like that um, when they want to address me. But um, Stefan is good. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, do you want to introduce yourself? I mean, you have a pretty impressive background and kind of resume, so maybe you should just you know tell people what they need to know. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Thanks, uh, Sam. Uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, yeah. So I'm Stefan. Um, and I am a designer and digital artist, uh, work as a freelancer for almost 10 years now. Um, I have been graduating at Münster School of Design, so I'm still living in that, that city here in Germany um, where I also graduated. Um, and um, yeah, so I started working as a freelancer during my, my studies. So I think full time I'm doing this for I think um, around five to six years now, maybe um, still within um, my study time. But but at the end of my studies, I to be honest, I uh, like ninety percent was working for clients and ten percent of my energy had flow into my into finishing the oh yeah uh, my studies. That was like, um, but I, it was great to have this kind of um, um, not not this kind of break between these two parts of my life, but they they. Were flowing into one another so uh yeah and um i mean uh, i guess we, we're going to talk more about the the digital art part today and not so much maybe about the design part but um i have actually kind of a classic design education so i learned uh to be a media designer at a consultancy uh before before studying and um I'm focusing in the last two to three years, I would say I'm focusing more and more on art because I feel like that's my passion and uh, that's just where where my, yeah, where I like to put my time into more than the classic graphic design. But I still love design. 
Well, what does that in, entail, like the media design? You said, like, I noticed that you had an internship somewhere as a media designer. So can you maybe break that down a little bit for people who don't know what that is? Yeah, I think the translation would be apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of a weird weird word, I think. But uh, like in, in German, it's called Ausbildung. This is usually usually after finishing school, you have like two standard ways. First is going into the apprenticeship and learn a job. And then the second is going to university. And I just wasn't, uh, yeah, like bright enough <laughs> to go to university straight away. Like too lazy, too lazy at school and stuff like that. So I was going for, for apprenticeship and it's called media design. Um, and that's something... I mean, I was really lucky that I got into a company that or, or a company took me back then, um, despite my my low grades, <laughs> um, who were really interested in building personalities. Um, I had some people at, at, at school back then. So it's um, like you have three weeks at, at the company and one week at school like that. And at school, there were some people who like stood in front of a printer the whole day. And at my company, they really wanted me to develop concepts and um, like to to translate information into graphics and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I learned really, I learned to love information design back then. I learned mm -hmm. to really um, grow a passion for conveying information to people um, because as a consultancy, um, you, all, you, you often have topics or subjects that are not like you can't really... Um, that that are no 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 non physical like you have virtual topics like when you the consultancy back then like optimized um, flows and processes in for their clients mm -hmm. and that's often stuff you can grab with your hands so they needed to to translate that information into graphics and into mm -hmm. information graphics of, of any kind of sort. I think that. There's a couple things about your story that are interesting. Like you said that you were too lazy or your grades weren't good enough to get into college or whatever. But I think that, I mean, I know for me, it's, it, it was more about, I was r really just eager, uh, to, to use my skills in the real world. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to just sit in a college classroom knowing what I knew, like knowing that I could use these skills in the real world and like make some kind of change or and then another thing that I found interesting that you said there was that um, you you liked uh, graphic, like using graphics and using visuals to communicate these ideas. Yeah. And it's like one of the things that's interesting about this podcast is like I seem to kind of whatever direction that I'm moving in, I seem to kind of find people unknowingly that have that same kind of vision. And that's. I can relate to that totally. Like I'm in my sketchbook for the last three months, I've just been making in my own kind of like sketch infographics in my sketchbook. Yeah. So it's interesting that you have that same kind of drive and passion to communicate that way. And for me, um, I, that's how I learn. I learn the best whenever I can make a drawing of something. Yeah. So if I can take it and turn it into an image, like I, I can master it much quicker you know yeah exactly that's i think that's the one big uh advantage or one big skill that we creatives usually have it doesn't it, it, it doesn't matter if you if you're good at scribbling or sketching i mean my scribbles you should see my, my sketchbook it there's so many ugly scribbles in there that only i can read because no one would understand what i what i mean with them <laughs> yeah but um 
I think on top of that, um, what's really, really helpful for us creatives is that we are able to um, to explain something on the visual uh, layer and, and with the visual um, yeah, elements or, or tools. And this is, uh, it doesn't matter if you, you are an artist or illustrator or if you're a graphic designer or if you make film or whatever. Uh, it's all about translating or transferring information through visuals to the brain of, of your recipient. No, what's the uh, word? Yeah, yeah, recipient. recipient. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a real superpower we have as creatives. And yeah. um, I... Um, People like see my work sometimes and say, "Hey, that's you, and that's you too." So how can you be that artist and also make this cl super clean, like white paper layout design with super clean graphics or whatever? And I say, "Well, it's uh, for me. It's not not that big difference. It's it's just I pick for one, I pick um, or I put my hand into that toolbox, and for the other, I grab that tool and try yeah, it's to... like a two like a different language in the same family. Exactly. Yes, it's like exactly. yeah." Yeah, like Spanish and Italian. Like you speak yeah. Spanish and Italian <laughs> visually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing that's interesting about this power of being able to take uh, information that's not visual and, and put it on the page as visual is um, I started doing this thing, sketch noting. Have you heard mm -hmm. of this? Uh, yeah, I didn't do it um, so far, but yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, I mean, basically, Da Vinci was the first sketch noter. You know, like, you know, you look at his sketchbooks and it's these inventions and he has the all of the information next to it and the specs and everything. But there was a more modern guy, Mike Rode, who came out. He coined the term sketch noting and he has a book and that's this whole thing. So I started learning that and just been practicing that. And I was in a meeting the other day and the woman was set to speak for 15 or 20 minutes. So I grabbed my stuff and my sketchbook and I'm listening and the whole time I'm sketching. And then at the end of the meeting, people were like, oh, I really uh, liked how you shared that information. And it was like so much information. And I looked down at yeah. my book and I had three drawings <laughs> and just the three drawings and the subtext like said everything that she said. Oh, that's great. That's a and, bit similar to, to a graphic recording, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my, that's like the entry into graphic recording. But the thing that I found fascinating is that there's a mental thing that happens when you're taking in the information and you're distilling it down to the actual point because you have to do that to make just a photograph or like a drawing. Yeah. Um, and when you do that, you realize like people can talk a long time saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so... Um, why don't we talk about uh, like your sort of call to action? Like, was there a point where you had to make a choice between art and something else, or um, what happened at that point in your life where you made that decision? Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I yeah I thought there was a point where where I needed to make that decision, and I really had a hard time back then. It was like after I think. After the first year at, at university, um, in in the first two semesters, you're uh, you're you're doing just basics, like you you um, study some some visual basics and and like basic rules, um, how how um, geometric shapes behave to each other and and how they resonate and stuff like that. So it's not 
really focused on one direction. But um, after the first year at the um, at my my school, uh, you decide for one of four um, or decide to focus on one of four directions, which is um, communication design, which is the, kind of the classic. Um, yeah, like the classic uh, graphic design for like for in, in ad agencies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then you have product product design, um, illustration, and media design. And um, for me, it was like I f- it felt like I had to make the decision between communication design and illustration. Uh, back then, I didn't know I did I didn't know that I really that it, it didn't make any difference in the end. Like I yeah. felt really pressured and. And through the system of that school, I felt really pl- pressured to make the decision and, and that it was like, I can never go back and I have to <laughs> stick with that route. And in the end, now I'm, I'm sitting here completely relaxed and knowing that this is completely irre- irrelevant because you find your style and and you like you build your profile no matter what course at a university you decide. Of course, uh, the the classes I made um influenced me but um yeah I, I learned after a while that i could do both and that i would even benefit from it because i could um in my graphic design work i can take my my skills from from art and illustration and vice versa mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a that stumbles onto a point that i've discovered in the last few years it's like if you learn how to master one thing you know how to master anything and it really doesn't have to be in art it can be anything else too because the the process of mastery um it's it's really more or less the same process you know it's like long-term commitment daily practice like you know uh, if you found the key you know how to you can use that key on every door yeah um that doesn't mean there's shortcuts because i feel like lots of people are looking for shortcuts to to master a skill but uh, that key doesn't give you any shortcuts but it it, it gives you the mindset to to master the skill i i would say okay so we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, thanks for watching Famous When I'm Dead podcast. This episode and all future episodes are going to be available on any one of your favorite podcast apps. I'll also be making all of my interviews from last year available as we move forward. This podcast is free for you to listen to, but it is not free for me to produce. Currently, it's about $140 a month to produce this podcast if and I hope I can keep my video editor. So I want to give a shout out to the patrons, um, Tom Lambert and Lynn Davis at the $10 level, Chance McGee at the $5 level. You can find him on Instagram at Chance McGee Kunst. If you are still listening at this point, chances are that you do get value out of this podcast. If you are able to and you want to show us some love, be sure to pop over to our Patreon page. It's uh, Patreon, P-A-T, reon.com forward slash famous when I'm dead. The link will be in the description below. If you're strapped for cash and you still want to show us some love and support, 
Um, make sure that you share the podcast with friends, family. Maybe you have students that might be interested in hearing the stories of these professional artists. So make sure you go to Instagram uh, at famous underscore when underscore I'm underscore dead. And stay up to date on all the new exciting stuff we got going on. Thanks for watching and be sure to leave us a thumbs up and a comment below. And, uh, there's a couple of things that came up that I, that I think are worth talking about. Um, one thing that you actually just brought up is about shortcuts. Um, and I think that this, this shortcut thing is, I, I think some people kind of realize that they have to stick with something for a long time. Um, some people have that disposition, that personality that just realizes, okay, this is going to take a while and I'm going to really have to dedicate to this. And then other people like me <laughs> have a, a really tough time because I get really excited by everything. Um, <laughs> any kind of like new, especially like new technologies or, you know, anything, I'm just so, so jacked up about it. So uh, for people like me who have a problem with that, uh, for me, it was just about like thinking about it in terms of a marathon you know, a mm -hmm. marathon, not a sprint. And uh, the long game is another way that people put it. Um, and also really the most important thing for me has just been like, I'm going to commit to this for this long. And that might be one year. It might be six months. And with caricatures, it was 10 years, um, which I made it seven and a half. And I can't help it that COVID killed that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think that that's, uh, w was that something that came naturally to you where you like just committed, committed to it or, uh, did you feel distract, distracted by other possible avenues to go or. I completely feel that uh, distraction aspect. I, um, I, for, for my part, it's often that I lose interest in, in uh, interest in certain projects that take too long. So. It doesn't matter if it's a personal project or a client project. Um, you know that from client work, um, it is often that you like have a client who wants you to to push through in a, in a certain time. Like uh, I have a deadline then and then, and it's very close, and you push, and you have like a very good outcome and very good output in that time. But then there's iterations, 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 and it takes like weeks and months until the project is done. And I when I analyze my own work, I see that I lose interest in such projects and that my work quality also goes down. So I always try to, because I, that's the distraction um, factor, because I'm distracted by new stuff that's coming up. I have new re requests or new pr uh, personal projects that I want to pursue. And then um, I, I'm more interested in, in working on that. And so I'm trying to always really push through um at least until uh, until that kind of breaking point where i know okay this project is going to be finished in that kind of like like in that amount of days and then it's it's fine for me um but i had to learn that and i really had to um to get that routine into my my life i'm a, quite a chaotic person <laughs> in in my daily life but I'm really structured by now with my projects. So people always recognize or, or 
people always feel like I am a person who's super structured and organized and has everything under control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that only applies to my to my my uh, creative projects somehow. But yeah, yeah. my like I'm I'm not I, I'm I'm good at organizing my my projects, but I can't like tidy tidy up my my desk. <laughs> yeah, I just I just literally before you called or before we started, I have a, a call from one of my friends who gave me the number, the bank number to pay my taxes, not from 2020, from 2019. <laughs> yeah, the tax thing, I, I, got, I got it covered as like just as much as needed. But um, yeah, so I think what helps is setting, it, it's kind of basic, um, but what, what helps is setting up uh, long-term, mid-term, short-term goals. Mm-hmm. to keep me on track so if i have a project right now i'm working on a on a book project it's my first um my first real yeah larger scale book project that i'm doing on my own my, my personal my, my first personal project kind of and uh, i know all, all what all the things that have to be done and and um it's all good and i know the the steps that have to be done but uh, it doesn't help me to just say, okay, in June I want to finish, want to have finished the book. But I need to set like um, like goals of uh, when is the layout done, when do I do the cover, um, even very small goals like when do I decide on 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 a font for for the book or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I try to structure these goals into short, mid, and long term. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes as well as for single projects like the book as for my life you know so mm-hmm. the, releasing the book is one of my short to midterm goals right now and within that book project i have again all these little little goals uh, that i think are a major fact um, factor to keep me on track yeah it is really I don't know why it took me so long to realize this or to start practicing this i still have trouble with it actually but I've definitely realized that the more structure in the schedule, even if it has to move around a little bit through the week, like that takes away that mental weight. And the thing about, like I saw a post the other day, someone said, I just did something uh, that took me 15 minutes. Um, It took me 15 minutes to get it done and I I have needed to do it for six months. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, the thing is, is, it's like a snowball or something. It's like the longer we keep pushing that snowball, the bigger it gets and the like and it's even subconscious where it like really weighs down. It it's harder to focus on the stuff that we want to do because it's always kind of like running in the background, like, oh yeah, yeah. I gotta do my taxes, gotta do my taxes. Yeah. I mean, that probably <laughs> ran through my head like five hundred times. And if yeah. I would have just did it the second time that I thought about it, then <laughs> I would have a lot more energy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, this is annoying and and um, it doesn't help to think of it like in a rational way to think, hey, uh, okay, come on, let's be rational now and let's finish all these tasks. Tasks, um, but I think you need to find um, a tactic or a strategy to just trick yourself with that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's it's just uh, really stupid tricks to just say, okay, um, I'm not allowing me to to drink my morning coffee before I not answered the three most urgent mails in my inbox or mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's completely stupid, but sometimes you have to trick yourself. Yeah. 
but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I fail at that too. So I have, I have exactly the same things like, like mails in my inbox that I need to answer. And the, the answer to that mails maybe, yeah, I don't know. Is, is not, it's some, something I'm not, not, um, um, yeah, that's not easy to answer that I have to put some, some brain work in it, but it never takes more than 10 to 15 minutes. But yeah. still, I think I, I don't want to do that now. It, it just, I don't want to, to, to write that guy that, that we can't do this project now or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that procrastination. There's a book out called procrastinate on purpose, but I, I haven't read it yet, but I try to actually do that. Like, um, there's, Another thing that that can be used for fuel where like I notice that if there's something that I have to do, even if it's a creative project that I don't want to do for a client, for example, I'll clean the house, I'll scrub the toilet, I'll like <laughs> reorganize everything and the house will be like spotless. And then at the end of the day, I sit down for a half hour and it's finished, you know, I could have just done yeah. that in the morning, but my house got clean. So that was good. Yeah. Um, well, then uh, it's been worth something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think that um, there, there's a lot of good tools. I mean, for me, a timer is a big one. Like I'll say, uh, okay, I'll 15 minutes, like, uh, and I'll set the timer for 15 minutes. And I'll allow myself before I do it, that when the timer goes off, you can stop. It's okay. You can stop after 15 minutes. But then of course, by the time the 15 minutes goes by, I'm like, ah, I'll just finish this next part, you know, mm -hmm. and I might spend 90 minutes on it, you know, when I only needed to do the 15. So yeah, it, I think the, uh, I think the point is, is like the emotion has to be attached to it, I think is what you're kind of getting at. Like for you, like the cup of coffee sounds like kind of a peaceful emotion. Like you're sitting with yourself, having your coffee, same with me. And, um, so there's like this emotion attached to it, but the logic doesn't really work because <laughs> yeah. if we could use no, it, no, it, it would doesn't. be done already, you know, yeah. but you have to accept, accept that the brain works like this and if you do that and if you can accept <laughs> that it's not rational sometimes then yeah you can try to trick yourself and it's i think it's it's really for me it's really important to at least be safe on my 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 deadlines for a client project because i i always like to be someone who who's who who you can work with really easily and and who who is really like very well responding to to um, messages and um, yeah holds the deadlines mm -hmm. um, so this is all like for personal projects it's not that bad to to just delay something but um, I had to really train on this this whole procrastination thing uh, to to be someone who who's who you can work with very good and easy it's easier when other people are involved and that's kind of another trick or tool that listeners can use. Um, I have an accountability partner. We've been calling each other every Sunday for like mm, about three months now. And we just tell each other, we have like a very strict 10 to 15 minutes. He, he takes seven minutes. I take seven minutes and we just talk about like what our plans are for the next week. Mm -hmm. And then we send each other the schedule for the following week. And then at the end of the week, we, recap and then send the schedule like oh, that. that's cool and um you know it it changes all the time you know the the schedule changes throughout the week and different things come up or whatever but um to have that other person there that you know that you can bounce things off of is super helpful so yeah i 
I wanted to kind of go into a little bit, like a little back to your transition from working for people into your own career, like mm -hmm. turning into an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I wanted to kind of go into a little bit, like a little back to your transition from working for people into your own career, like mm -hmm. turning into an entrepreneur. I think what I want to kind of explore a little bit is, um, I mean, there, there's people that are more suited or at that particular time in their life, um, working for someone else's is, is what, what they want to do because they don't want all the extra responsibilities mm -hmm. of, of, uh, that, but of being an entrepreneur. But then at some point, um, I think people who have that in their personality, like always end up going back to that. So I guess the question is, or maybe we can talk about some of the issues that you've had making that transition and kind of, uh, different principles that you use to guide yourself through that. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. if you have a person that you look to that was kind of like a guide that helped out a lot with that. Yeah, that's a good question. If I, if I have kind of an idol for that, I'm not sure I have to think about that, but, but, um, yeah, there, there hasn't been such, such a kind of transition in the, in the classic way, I, I would say, but because I, like I finished working as a media designer, then, um, attended art school or university. Um, and when I was finished there, it was kind of the, the transi transition happened in between probably, but at the, at that, during that time at university, I never really said, okay, I have to be the, the entrepreneur or I have to be a freelancer. Um, I, it was always like, okay, it's an option for me. I, if I think about it, 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 it sounds good. And then I had my first, um, client projects during being a student and uh, that was fun and worked well. And so I kind of, um, learned all the basics, also the, the, yeah, the, the, um, financial stuff and, uh, like acquisitions and how to get, how to get clients and stuff like that. I, I learned that on the go maybe. And, um, at the time I, I dropped out of, uh, university, I was able to just to just keep it like it was before like to to just work for my clients but not going to a university anymore which i didn't do like i said before <laughs> which i didn't do really much any anyway um <laughs> at that time so um and then after that there was never a reason reason to really to really go back to to um uh, work for 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 an agency or for for like um any kind of employer but it was always like, um, this feels good. This works for me. I'm making enough money to live, for, live off it. And, um, so this was great. Uh, you have, of course, I think there's no freelancer who never has these days that they think of, damn, this would be great to have, like to go to a nine to five job tomorrow and to like close the day. Call it yeah. a day, sit on your sofa, watch some TV and, and never, never think about, uh, anything, um, yeah, work, work related anymore. And yeah, I mean, I have 2021 is for me, I have to say, um, COVID didn't really affect my, my business, 
uh, in any negative way. Uh, and it, it's really like it's growing in a way that I get more and more really interesting project um, requests and really interesting jobs. And um, 21 has been really a really busy year for me. And I, I'm just on the edge of taking like two to three weeks off for the first time this year. And I haven't had my PlayStation on for at least four to six weeks or so. So there are these days where you think, damn, I like, why can't I call it the day at five and then just do something with my wife or play some video games or whatever, just, just relax. Yeah. But it's only really short moments I have that. And the rest is just, I enjoy this, this whole freelancer stuff a lot and the freedom I have and, and like, yeah, the freedom is great. It just, it's just fun to work this way, yeah. for me. but it's not for everyone. Yeah, I mean, there there is definitely, you, you definitely have to have a tolerance for risk and you have to have a tolerance for ambiguity and not knowing for, like, you might have three really good paying jobs and then, like, nothing the next month. Sure, so you, yeah. you definitely have to get comfortable with that sort of savings and structuring things yourself. And that that's probably the most difficult thing for me, especially what you said about uh, just clocking out at 5 o'clock, yeah. you know, um, for me, like I, I'm basically, I kind of like work. I have like a big push in the morning. So maybe four to six hours in the morning, I take an hour or two lunch, walk the dog, relax, listen to a podcast or take some sketches or whatever. And then, and then I'll go back and work until not eight or nine, but then I have a limit, you know, it's like, well, okay, it's nine o'clock. I got to shut the computer off, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I can still do stuff on my iPad, but really, like my big computer is where all the work is done. Um, so yeah, it's difficult, especially if the projects that you're doing are you're passionate. But that's also, you know, for me, and I think for most people, like it's super. That's that recharge time is super important. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah. The thing is, um, and that's really like what I what is love and hate at the same time for me is like my real relaxed time and like really like is is just drawing <laughs> yeah so so when i when i have project <laughs> yeah. and I, I i work on it the whole day and i think okay now i need to take some some time off um what i usually do is really just i like, get the ipad out and and start drawing on my personal projects because it's like and watch usually I then watch watch on the side I watch some kind of TV show or so so I'm following the TV show maybe half and the other half of my of my um, attention goes to the drawing, mm. but it's, it's 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 yeah like I said it's love and hate because um, it's great that I am still productive in my free time but of course it's it's really hard to let loose and to just call it a day and really love the iPad on the desk and. Yeah, like go in the living room and sit sit down on the sofa or whatever, or go out and for a walk, um, which I of course do. I, I go out for a walk and I go jogging and stuff like that. But it's not that I sit here twenty four seven. But yeah, if you I mean, ask it's, my it's wife, great to have a, a a great you know Instagram gallery, but you know that's not gonna keep you company when you get old. No, 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 definitely yeah. not. <laughs> but it gets you some jobs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I'm building my Instagram account for a little bit more than two years now. Before that, I didn't really post much on Instagram. And 
um, right now. It's it's there's some cool jobs coming in through Instagram actually. So this is you have a good following. Is it all organic? Yeah, it's completely organic. Yeah. Nice, nice. And what did you notice the big jumps on that? I mean, you you've probably are you like a daily poster or? Um, I tried to post every two days be, uh, be, before I realized that the, this was too much. Um, because with Instagram, you really need to find a balance. I know that Instagram wants you to post like uh, every day and I think even post five times a day or whatever. But I realized that this is not not really going well with my my um, routine and my my um, frequency frequency of, of how I publish new art. So it's unsustainable. I mean, yeah, how are you going to make good art if you're posting absolutely five times a day? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I love those uh, challenges like Inktober. I um, made my own uh, Plastober from plastic pen. Oh, nice! <laughs> last yeah, year. yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. So and this this super crazy hustle of really uh, one month every day one drawing. And I, if you have a look at my drawings, there these are not quickies, but some of them are really quite detailed. Uh, and I love that hustle, but it's just for a month and um, doing this for, for 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 the whole year would be crazy. And I realized now that I, I actually um, reduced my posting um, frequency to uh, right now it's around one post and one reel per, per week. And it mm. still works. I think the, the, the growth is not as fast as it used to be probably, but mm. actually I don't want to kill myself with yeah like posting too much um and it works works quite good right now so you do get some interesting jobs from that huh yeah um i uh i mean there's a lot of requests um that are to be honest that are really bullshit so mm -hmm. like people asking me to draw a portrait of them for 50 bucks or so i'm not not doing that yeah um I know there's there's artists who have this commission rates, but I wouldn't recommend to anyone to to do that because it's it's again this is also not sustainable. You can't make a living from that unless you really like kill yourself with drawing twenty four seven. Mm. Um, it's not the jobs that lead to really interesting new jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but every now and then there's a request like for from musicians who want me to do their album cover or That's um, awesome. their, their YouTube um, video background or whatever. So uh, and who are willing to pay good rates. Mm -hmm. And also I have um, I have right now another job that is really fine for um, I can tell anything about it, uh, unfortunately, because it's uh. under an NDA. Okay. But I'm, I'm like, I can tell that they really let me just do my, my, my usual shit. And I, I'm, I mean, what else could you want from, from a client? They pay your rate, what you, what you, um, like take for illustration. They say, Hey, we love your style. We love this direction. You go there. Um, can you do that for us with like, and, and just inter interpret our input in that style. And I say, okay, um, that's awesome. That's perfect. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, that's my dream. That's I think that's kind of like every illustrator, every artist dream, or not every, but that's that's a big one. Like, just to say, here's an. I mean, I love like interpreting that idea and then just channeling it into your own 
your own yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that that unleashes the most potential of an artist. Um, unfortunately, I have to say that that is that th these kind of jobs are really rare because most clients, and I can understand their their um, their thoughts behind it, of course, but most clients want you to yeah want to press you in in their kind of scheme and want to um at the same time be yourself and do your stuff but at the same time not <laughs> so and uh, you have to if you want to work for clients as a freelance uh, artist you have to get used to that you can't really 100 percent do what you want so it's, it's extremely rare that unless you have another income if you have another income yeah then you can do what you want yeah that yeah sure sure i mean if you want to make a living from it of course sure yeah um, I want to, um, I want to like kind of echo something that you said earlier about the portraits and people offering you like $50 portraits. Um, I'm a caricature artist also, um, or I was, <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I mean, I got those requests all the time and yeah. I recently did a commission, um, and I kind of didn't want to do it, you know, because I'm transitioning into motion design and. So I was like, mm, all right, I'll just charge like way more, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just going to charge like triple what I normally charge. Yeah. So I, I laid it all out. I said, it's going to be half up front. There's going to be a rush fee because you want it in a week and yeah. all this. They paid it and then I finished it and they paid the other half, like no question. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, usually I'm charging, you know, 50, 75 bucks for that. I charged end up 225 euro. Yeah. Um, for like it was a full full body they were running and there were some logos and like a background so it was like the full monty for like one person but still that's much higher than i would have normally charged you know at least 100 euro higher and what i found was was that i felt better about doing the project yeah i went over my time a little bit there was no no problem of going over a little bit because yeah. i charged for that like insurance in a way and then um one of the most interesting things or maybe the most interesting thing is they treated me way better. Like yeah. just because I charged more, like yeah, it's funny, right? We're the same. Yeah. Yeah. I know it, it can feel like uh, it can feel really painful to raise your, your uh, rates and to experience that um, people approach you for jobs and you say them your rate and they, they, are, they, they're like backing off and whoa, what's this? <laughs> this is way much. Uh, they, I have some people who really, Tell me uh, that one that they want something done that would take me two days, and they planned a budget for it that I charge for the hour. So uh, this happens, and it is of course sometimes painful to to really let jobs go in this these cases. But I can tell that uh, I mean in the, in my freelance career I raised my um, hourly rates or daily rates two times, and both times there were the, these clients who. Um, who told me that they couldn't work with me anymore. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that now. I'm not going to get weak here and and, and accept, accept the, the old rate anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but every time new clients came in, like filled the gap, mm -hmm. and these were usually really more high quality uh, projects and jobs and clients who really value, value your time because it's more worth your time. Mm -hmm. So they value it more and it's kind of, um, I, I really 
uh, recommend to all, all my followers. I'm talking about money on my Instagram stories every now and then. I'm really quite kind of open with my with my uh, rates and my money because I think that in the creative business, it's there should be more real talk about about money. And um, too many artists and and creatives hide the numbers behind their their businesses. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm telling all my followers all the time, guys, uh, try to raise your your rates if you're on the lower half of of what people usually take for for the job you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, because even if if one or two clients let you down and 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 one says yes, uh, the one that says yes pays you more money that in the end you have the same money or even more, and you have more free time. Yeah, exactly. To, to work, and to those people, those clients hang out with other clients that respect your rate. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll talk, uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about money and your Kickstarter project and just your work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll be right back. Have you heard of Drawsome.com? Of course you haven't because it hasn't officially launched yet. But I have talked to Manny Abitizian, the founder, about it in detail, and it's going to be awesome. The Drawsome app is an exciting new platform that's coming soon for artists and art lovers that is going to change the game. It's a creative social marketplace where artists can post their artwork, receive commissions, and even turn each post into a print-on-demand product that's drop-shipped directly to your customers. That means people can choose if they want your design on a print, mug, t-shirt, whatever, and you don't have to deal with the printing or shipping. You want some of that, don't ya? Hop on over to drawsome.com, that's D-R-A-W-S-O-M-E.com, and sign up to be the first to receive updates and news as soon as it's launched in iOS, Android, and web. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just have a sip of water. And um, yeah, I do want to say one last thing about money before we talk about your Kickstarter and mm -hmm. your your art because your your work is really amazing. I love the gradients, and we'll get into it in a minute. But uh, um, <laughs> the thing that like the I, I think it's important to take yourself out of the equation. So this is for people who have trouble charging more. Um, it's important to take yourself out of the equation and look at it objectively and really look at the fact that you're going to eventually have to upgrade that computer. You have rent that you have to pay. You mm -hmm. have, you know, on top of all of your home expenses, if you work from home, all of those are expenses. So yeah. a good exercise is to like figure out what all the expenses are, break that down and divide that by a hundred and what is it? 160 hours. So that's normal working week. Yeah. And then you'll have a number and maybe that number is $10 an hour or whatever, but that's what you have to make so you don't lose money. And yeah, if you're and charging you have to keep in that, mind that uh yeah. that that it's it's 160 hours in a 40-hour work week, but you still need time for acquisitions for um for for accounting and stuff like that. So you're not working no freelancer is ever working 160 hours um and put it on a, on an invoice. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, that's another good point. There's there's stuff that happens outside of that, but it's important to like have some kind of standard of measurement. So, you know, if you take that 160 or let's say you work 200 hours a month on average 
and you divide your all of your home expenses, if you're not charging like double that, that's not enough. Because the thing is, is you have to consider your savings. Like you, you know, you want to save for your future. You got to pay for the software that you need. You got to pay for your new computer whenever that. Like I have to buy a new computer now. <laughs> um, so there's all of that stuff that needs to go into it. Your vacation. If you're an entrepreneur, like everything is an expense, and if you don't charge you know, more than that, you're, you're actually losing money. So you're like literally working, not just for free, but you're like paying people to work you for them. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So I, yeah, I that's a good important. point. That's really imp important to, um, to keep in mind. And I can recommend it to everyone who, who's also starting out as a freelancer. Uh, I have really deep respect for everyone who, who like drops out of school. And then is there, thinking about what what should i do now should i should i apply for a job every anywhere or should i try my luck as a freelancer and i have deep respect for everyone who who want, who goes the freelancer way because i think it's really difficult in the first one or two years to build up um stable and good client relationships and um a lot of people on my instagram also ask me how how do i how do you how do you find your clients and of course this is Like, like net, I'm not, not a good networker um, and it's, it's a pain in the ass for me to, 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 to try to, to get in touch with, with agencies who could probably hire me or whatever, um, but uh, it's worth it and you, you can push through it. But first of all, before you start all this, you really have to look at what should I take, what is my price floor and if at any time comes a potential client who wants to like cut your price floor significantly you have to stay strong and say no because it doesn't lead you anywhere mm -hmm. and you won't be respected if you it it's just you just won't get the same amount of respect yeah um yeah and you know that there's that funny meme that's like uh can i just pay an exposure like yeah exactly <laughs> can i pay my rent an exposure please so yeah. yeah this is i mean this ex this exposure argument is so stupid uh Uh, I don't know if, if if you want to talk about this because it's nah. it's just it's it's too stupid to 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 address that topic actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that maybe the last we could wrap the topic up by just saying like, if you're a creative person like you and and you're good at what you do, like you are super valuable. Like a lot of people cannot do what you do, and that has. You know, art is not just like and design and creativity. Like that is not like some side thing yeah. in society. That is in the middle of society. Literally everything, look around, like everything except for the trees outside and grass were designed. Like yeah. that, that's creativity. So that has like really core value to human society. So, you know, you you deserve you, you know, you, there's value like you and you, you definitely should should charge charge for that. Yeah. Um and you don't feel bad to to charge for something that something that is fun to you. <laughs> I had to learn that yeah. too, because you sometimes have the feeling, okay, can I charge that money for this? Like I, I, I made an editorial illustration this week for a magazine, um, which I really enjoyed making from first to last. It just, they, they, there was another job where, where they just let me do what I wanted uh -huh. to illustrate an article. And I felt like, um, I, I, I wouldn't have felt bad if I, if I 
wouldn't get any money for it because it was so much fun but i get yeah. good money for it and this is perfect <laughs> yeah yeah and then you you have it gives you energy and it like exactly it, it, it helps you to like glow and i mean I, that argument's easily broken down by just saying well what do you think musicians do like or what do you yeah. think someone who plays football or whatever i mean they love doing that and they get yeah. paid millions you know I mean, we're we're definitely privileged in a kind of way that we are able to do a job that that is fun. I guess there's lots lots of people earning their money every day in jobs that don't give them any fun. Mm -hmm. But um, so I feel like I'm privileged in a way, but I don't have to to excuse for that or to say I, I take less money for it only because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. So why don't we talk about? So we've talked a lot about entrepreneurship already. Let's just talk about your art. I mean, I, uh, we talked about before we got started about this whole story, the hero's journey and stuff. And there's definitely mm -hmm. a lot of story in each one of your images. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we can talk about how you, how you came onto that and then how you stuck with that style, like how you mm -hmm. stayed disciplined with that, because obviously you're also interested in a lot of different things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've, very broad interest in in lots of stuff and i think that shows in my art because i don't have this kind of one subject or direction that that my my um yeah that i'm going that i'm addressing in my drawings but yeah this is um this is something i um often try to like recalibrate every few few months because i kind of want to see okay where are my interests now where's what's the, the direction the subject I'm, i i i work with what direction is, is this going so this is um uh, sometimes an aspect of my work that i feel is not consistent enough people tell me that it's consistent because of my style is of course recognizable but um, i always have so many ideas uh, for like I'm interested in cyberpunk. I, I, th I think you can see that in my work. I'm interested in in like illustrating natural uh, or nature as well. And then I'm interested in portraits. And um, and then there's of course uh, like things from daily life or or pop culture and stuff like that. So it's really it's really um, yeah, it varies a lot. And I had to accept that I am not the kind of artist who can who is able to focus on one subject. I I always need to have different stuff I I, I deal with because I'm um, I would be bored of the the thing I'm I'm dealing with if it was always the same thing, you know. Yeah, I, this is interesting the the way that you say that because. I think there's a couple of different ways that people do that. I think that, and, and it alternates sometimes with people, but some people just pick a, a subject, you know, like maybe nudes or the figure or portraits mm -hmm. or whatever, and then they just do that, and they do that in a hundred different styles. Sometimes people are able to kind of focus the style down and focus the subject matter down. But I think um, at some point, like if you want to be a professional or if you want to make a cohesive kind of portfolio that makes sense to people... I think that you have to pick one, at least one. So mm -hmm. you can pick a subject matter or something like kind of on the same way or like certain parameters. And that's what I noticed with your work is like, yeah, you have a lot of different subjects and ideas and portraits and, and these kind of quirky little like stories all in one image yeah. which are really <laughs> great. Like I love the ship with the bottle 
yeah. uh, that's like cracking <laughs> through the ice. That's awesome. Um, and, but, but you definitely have these like gradients, you have this like grain, there's mm-hmm. a certain color palette that you follow. So, um, I guess I'm just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could stick with some like parameters yeah, like that. Yeah. So how do you, I, how do you choose the parameters and how do you ignore the other ones? Yeah. The style, the style topic is, is, is one, I think one major thing that I, I, I am asked so often by my followers also if I, when i have a, like a q a with my followers or people on twitch asking me questions um it's it's very often about the style because um artists who are very early in their in their artist journey and in their career of course they they haven't such a set and, and defined style this is completely normal and um it's it's really sometimes it's a bit of mystery um but I can try to like I can try to explain it as best as, as possible. Uh, it still remains a mystery to me, but I, I feel like an art style is something. Even if you're 30, 40 years in the business and have really extremely defined style, in my opinion, is something that de- develops and evolves all the time. So if you scroll down in my Instagram account and and just see what I did one or two years ago. It looks really different, in my opinion. Maybe not for you, but for me, because I, of course, experience my own work in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's like an art style is something. Um, is, is of course a sig- signature, and I'm using it. I'm using my process. I have like a very clear, structured pro- process of how I build up my illustrations. I have that in an Instagram story, by the way. If um, anyone's interested, I have story highlights that. Uh, really closely explain how I like move from the blank page to the finished illustration and how where I put what's thought in and and how the concept is built and stuff like that. So um, th- this th- this process is really structured. And over the years, I um, every now and then like had a look at this process and had a look at what tiny aspects of the process could I improve or could I change or what I am I not really happy with uh, you're talking about the the gradients and the the, the, the these noisy textures uh, I think you you're addressing there um, these textures I'm experimenting with these textures for for years now really like I've started using this like six or seven years ago and always try to refine my 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 use in between like I think around a year or half a year ago I used them a bit more heavy right now i'm using them not so heavy anymore and try to like like um use them more supple they are still of course really heavy uh, uh, recognizable but but um, i'm always trying to refine these little aspects and uh, i think the more you proceed in your art career the more into detail you get and it's still evolving everything but um at the beginning in the first years it's just like you you don't get into the, these details that much because um you need to care for the very rough shape and the very very rough um like the yeah, shape of the process steps and this mm. is why people i think people are uh, afraid that they haven't this, that they don't have this defined art style because they are still in the in the part of the process where you deal with the very rough um, aspects, like mm-hmm. 
when I say very, very, very rough for me, it means, by the way, um, something like, uh, do I pick a fine liner or a crayon? Like mm -hmm. very, very basic uh, decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then in the end, uh, the, yeah, another problem is, and I think that's you, you only can learn to deal with it, but you can't just push it away. Is that the grass? always looks greener on the other side. So I, I have a few illustrators I follow and I see their work and I admire them. Like some of the, some of their work is uh, hanging on the walls here. And um, I think like, uh, I want to draw like this guy. And yeah. I, I want to, I want to point out that quote is uh, I found out the other day that that quote actually is the grass is always greener from afar. And, or, yeah. and and I think that second part is so important. It's because like when we go to the other side, when we see the green grass and then we go to the other side, then we're like, we can see the weeds, but yeah. from afar, it looks beautiful. Exactly. So, yeah. Like it doesn't matter where there's always going to be some struggle or some con pros and cons. It doesn't yeah. matter even if it looks good from a distance. Yeah. And um, I know it's boring to say that and you hear that all the way, but I mean, we've been talking about that uh, at the beginning. Um, the only real thing and the only very good advice you can give there in general is to just push and keep on pushing and practice really much. And your style, this sounds a bit cheesy, but you don't find your style, but it finds you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's platitude number four. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll find another one before we finish. I'm um, sure. <laughs> one thing that I was uh, thinking that I wrote down here when you were talking was, um, it seems that there's like three elements, like, okay, there's style, but more importantly, there's maybe subject. And mm -hmm. even most importantly is the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're, if you are, if you have enough time to look back, let's say five years on all of your work, um, I think the question that you should start asking yourself is, what's my process? Like, mm -hmm. do I start with paper and then I go to watercolor and then I finish digitally? Is that how like I've always done it? Um, and then once you kind of figure that out, then you can say, well, what subjects am I am I usually? What what's what's the topic? You know, like these mm -hmm. three things. You know, like people, journeys, and you know, weapons or whatever. Um, and then I think you can start to see a style emerge, but again, it's, I think the process comes first and then, you know, yeah. the rest of it kind of emerges like that. Yeah, let's talk agree. about your, uh, let's talk about your Kickstarter. Oh, wait a yeah. second. Wait, 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 wait. We have a question from Chance McGee. Chance McGee Kunst. <laughs> That's how you find him on Instagram. This is my accountability buddy and he's a supporter of the podcast. Uh, okay. So. Oh, hi, I just found your artwork here because of Sam's podcast, and I'm incredibly impressed. And that's a compliment coming from him. He's Thanks. very good. Thanks. Yeah, he's he's very talented artist himself. Your work has so much atmosphere and depth, like a Gregory Crudson photo. Okay, I don't know, I don't know uh, that guy. <laughs> Crudson is uh, C-R-E-W-D-S-O-N, Gregory Crudson. I love how every piece seems to tell a story. Huh. He noticed that too. Okay, so here's the question. How much of your work is inspired by photography? Would you suggest artists take up photography to help them with their storytelling and composition? And then I'll get the second question in real quick. 
I focus a lot on faces and body expressions in my work, but I want to add more atmosphere. What would you suggest for the artist struggling with drawing backgrounds and mechanical objects? And do you have any other general advice you would give for artists looking to add more depth to their work? Mm-hmm. So are you inspired by photography? And yeah, that's second question. Oh, that's that's a lot of that's a lot, a lot in, in these questions. <laughs> we can we can well, let's another, start with photography. Let's that, add another that... hour to the to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, photography for me is extremely important because I work a lot with references. Um, because um, yeah, I'm first of all I'm not such a world traveler than than a lot of other people. Um, I, I like to travel, of course, but uh, like I've not been in Asia or in in the U.S. or, or, or so. So I'm, so I'm. I depend sometimes on photography from places I want to portray, and I find it kind of interesting that I am, yeah, obvi- obviously I am able to portrait these places. Like my Japanese uh, or Japan streets uh, series is has been quite pop- popular, and people love love that very much, uh, which is great. And I've never been there, and and I just took the atmosphere from films and also a lot of from photography because I like this this the, the vibe of these Japanese um, streets, uh, but it's of course the vibe that is translated through images, and uh, this is kind of interesting to me, and I, I I think about that a lot actually, because I find it fascinating how I am able to create an artwork from from a place that I have never been through mm-hmm. photography which means that you always interpret an interpretation of a place because what I see is also an interpretation of someone else, of course. So yeah, photography is really, um, really important. Um, and I think also, also movies and, and, um, TV shows are a great reference to study. Um, and then we are, we're almost in that atmosphere aspect of the questions. Yeah. To study atmosphere, to study composition. Uh, a layout of of an image. I had a uh, an art challenge um, two weeks ago for my followers, where I gave them three stills from Moonrise Kingdom, and they could choose one and inter- interpret it their way. And I think it's um it's a good way to to um, study and to to I use really a lot of references that I then like assemble in my my drawings and interpret in my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you said that because I I always kind of look to nature or I, I referenced photographs, but I always uh, preferred to draw, you know, from life, from real life. Mm-hmm. I would go to cafes and stuff, and then when I started studying um, like concept design and and kind of looking into that a little bit more, I just don't know why it took me so long to realize but you got to remember that like every single shot in a film someone drew that and they thought that yeah. and there's color boards and concept art and composition and all that's already done for you yeah. so it's actually real really for me pleasure like it's such a pleasure to draw from great photos or films especially films mm-hmm. uh, from great directors um because all I don't have to think about any of that. I don't have to think about the composition yeah. <laughs> and all, all the gradients and stuff. I just copy it, you know, and it yeah, ends and up through, being like this great painting, you know. Exactly. And through copying it, you automatic, automatically analyze it. 
and mm -hmm. analysis is for me is uh, extremely important and something you should never underestimate because like anal analyzing other artists or like you say like movies or photos is helps you um to understand a lot of things and you do that by just uh, copying it and and interpret it yeah yeah cool i think that answers the question what do you think i focus on yeah yeah i think that answers it that's good so <laughs> why don't we uh we're, we're a little over time but that's normal um <laughs> maybe uh maybe we can talk about your kickstarter project or just yeah. like what what you're up to now like how people can support you and like follow your work yeah sure so um yeah it's my first solo kickstarter project um and I'm really excited about it because you never know how it's going to work. Um, I uh, am working on a coloring book right now, uh, which is um, yeah. The, that's the, that's not the Kickstarter. That's a separate thing. No, no, that's the Kickstarter. That is the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter okay. will be about the coloring book. Yeah, it's called uh, Cycle of the Shroom, and yeah. it is. Uh, I call it like the subtitle is kind of um, uh, cyberpunk inspired adult coloring book or coloring and art book. Uh, and the, I had the idea of doing a coloring book because I thought, um, yeah, I, I just, my first idea was to make a book again because I'm working so much digital, digitally and sometimes of course do editorial work that it, that is then printed. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought it was about time to have an own printed product again because it's just lots of fun to to handle printed stuff every every artist usually likes uh, seeing their their um their art printed on something so i thought why not making a book and then i first wanted to make kind of a storybook some something between i don't know an art book and a comic a uh, comic would be too much work for me because in my style a comic would take like 10 years to finish um it's too 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 complex and uh yeah then i thought why not like engage my 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 fans and followers or anyone who wants to or who gets that book why not engage them to to like participate in a kind of way and i had a look if that topic i had in mind which is like a cyberpunk um inspired world uh, it's of course um because of the game that was released last year it's of course a pop popular topic uh, right now but that's of course probably good for me because it's 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 a hype topic right now. I'm interested in cyberpunk for 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 a bit longer, and uh, I thought, okay, can I make a coloring book out of this idea? Mm -hmm. Are people able to get digital like blank digital files also? Yeah, yeah, that's sure. awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I my plan is to release a release a printed book because um, I think it's it, it, I want to have something for for every. Uh, technique for every art technique and for every medium so if anyone wants to color it with like markers or something they can get the printed one and for the dig digital artists uh, they can of course uh, get a little for a little lower price the digital book mm -hmm. and yeah i hope to be able to release it in probably beginning of june mm -hmm. So um, not sure yet if that works because it really depends on how much time I have for that because it's it's. Um, I would like to prioritize it a bit higher, but it's not, just not possible because yeah. uh, client projects come first, of course, and some other um, 
personal projects in between. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, so we'll definitely have a link in the description below, yeah, whether you're listening to podcast or or the actual YouTube interview. Um, yeah, you can then, you can already subscribe for updates. And that, that's how do people find it? Yeah, it's uh, linked on my on my link role in, in Instagram, and um, there is uh, a preview page on the Kickstarter where you can subscribe for updates, and then you get a notification when it. Um, uh, when it when it comes out, and I also just started a mailing list, um, and uh, there will be a little surprise for for all uh, subscribers to the mailing list soon. So probably you can put a link in, or people can find it on my Instagram. Um, and I didn't tell yet. I, I'm going to tell now because uh, <laughs> premiere telling. I'm going to send along uh, one preview page, one digital page. In the newsletter soon, so people can can color it digitally or print it out at home and and color it. You heard uh, it here, folks. Yeah, you heard it here first. Heard here first, exactly. So uh, this will be a little teaser uh, to reward my my early uh, early bird newsletter subscribers. And yeah, nice. That's exciting, man. So. Um... You have someone working with you in the U.S. because isn't Kickstarter? Don't you have to have some U.S. bank account or something to do that? Oh no, that's uh, that's um, not anymore. So they oh. added Germany to the accepted countries. Uh, oh, nice, nice. Uh, I think it's it's um, by now it's almost the complete complete uh, European Union that you oh, can nice. uh, start a Kickstarter. I think four or five years ago you had to have someone in the U.S. to do that for you. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And people can find you on plastic dot pencil. Yeah. Or pen. pen. Plastic pen, dot yeah. pen. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, it's uh, really awesome to meet you and um, definitely an honor to have you on. Your work is incredible. And yeah, I Thanks. look forward to uh, I look forward to the release and definitely um, you can come on again and we can chat more at another time. Sure, sure. I, uh, I'm never out of words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, me neither. Um, yeah. And, uh, I might contact you too with some questions just about, um, what you're doing. I actually want to, um, next time we talk, uh, it would be cool to talk about your animations, like how you're animating sure. parts of it. Yeah. So that's, that's really great too. Cause that, that's kind of in the same field almost, or it's starting to get into sort of like motion design too. So yeah. cool. Okay. I'm not yes. even going to try to pronounce it. I'm just going to say Stefan. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> plastic <laughs> pin.